Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 132 of the Layover Live podcast. I'm Jason Swick, VP of Digital Marketing at SimpleView. On this episode of the Layover Live podcast, John Freeman and Shannon Maloney from SimpleView stop by to share their thoughts on the importance of social media during recovery. We discuss social media trends, content DMO should be sharing right now, handling negative comments, and more. Hope you enjoy. Each week, the smartest and brightest destination marketers from all over the world talk about the latest trends, happenings, and challenges that affect the travel and tourism industry today. Digital marketing executives, CMOs, and leaders from DMOs of all shapes and sizes share their insights and stories to help you become the best marketer you can be. This is The Layover Live. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 132 of The Layover Live, where we bring you the top article from The Layover each week. I'm Jason Swick, VP of Digital Marketing, and joined by two very special guests today, John Freeman and Shanda Maloney from the View team. So guys, welcome to the show. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. Happy to be here. Yeah, I'm excited to have both of you guys here. And if, if you are here, uh, you know that we are talking social media or we're talking UGC or all of the above. And our article of the week this week comes from CrowdRiff uh, and speaks to getting the most out of UGC during these times. As, as you know, UGC plays a pretty important role and we'll get into that a little bit more. But without question, COVID-19 pandemic has left many businesses out there and even some DMOs questioning their future whether due to a decrease in travelers to their particular destinations or even closure by you know, mandated government orders, it's really affected everyone. Now, while the journey isn't going to be easy and health and safety is certainly top of mind, we need to see this as an opportunity to change some of the ways that we usually approach marketing and shift our focus to reconnecting with our audiences and our stakeholders. Now, Uh, As people are forced to stay inside and continue to practice social distancing, they are yearning for ways to stay connected and social media is helping to fill that void. In fact, social networks like Facebook and Instagram and TikTok are even seeing record numbers during these times. So how do you get your message then in front of that right audience? And it's a tough question to answer, but I think to help answer that, uh, really, um, we need to first understand some of the trends that are happening in this space. So John, I want to kick this first question over to you and, and really ask, you know, what trends that you're seeing uh, in social media during COVID and during recovery? Yeah, well, specifically, I want to focus it on DMOs and, and our clients, because what's happening with, with UGC um, is for you know almost a decade, there's been this push to incorporate more UGC into marketing content. You know, first it was let's share it on social media, um, and then it turned to you know what else can we put it uh, UGC into like our website or our marketing. Um, to me and, and to a lot of our clients, um, the importance of of UGC uh, in the travel marketing industry has uh, you know only grown during this pandemic, um, and there's several reasons why. So um, one of the reasons why is uh, it's inexpensive, uh, and we are in a time where uh, inexpensive content uh, has to do uh, in a lot of cases. Uh, it's easy to find. It can be fa- found in, in bulk. Uh, but w- what's also interesting about this pandemic that has really shifted um, a lot of how we consume media in general uh, is that the expectation of professionalism and quality around media has significantly dropped. Um, And here's an example. Um, So if you turn on a major league baseball game, 
um, anytime in the next month or so. You know, one of the most lucrative, uh, expensive leagues in the entire world, and you watch one of those games, those broadcasters are broadcasting from their own homes. Uh, we have totally changed how we consume uh, content and also how it is produced. Um, so when I think about UGC um, and if there were destinations that were you know, skittish about potentially using UGC for a billboard ad or um, some of their video marketing uh, to be the header image of their website, to, to be put into print, uh, I think we're seeing a world in which uh, if a photo is taken from a you know high-end iPhone, um, that's okay, and that's accepted to be used anywhere, uh, especially if our, our baseball games are being called from somebody's couch, and, and the pandemic has really twisted all of the expectations for, for just how high quality your media needs to be. Um, and because of that, uh, a lot of our clients and a lot of DMOs and a lot of you know, brands and marketing agencies outside of the travel industry um, are saying, okay, you know, our budgets may be smaller now, uh, but our ability to use UGC in more places is much higher. Yeah, good stuff there, John. And, you know, it, it brings up those good points, right? Is is we're not need, we're not seeing as much of that need for that polished, you know, photography that we're used to seeing um, before. People are people are more open to like, hey, listen, if we can do it from from things remotely and and reach people at at a, at a relatively low cost, um, that is certainly a trend we're seeing. And Shannon, maybe same question over to you. You know, what trends are you seeing then in this space? Yeah, you know, like just like John was saying, you know, just the mm-hmm. the. Um, expectation of high quality production, sitting in a studio, you know, all that has gone out the window. And I think YouTube is a great example of that's really kind of where a lot of that um, style of shooting started, right? You've got people that are shooting in their basements or in their living rooms, or they've created a space like in their bedroom where we're at, where I'm at. Um, and a lot of YouTubers were, were producing content there. Now you're seeing people who used to have studios are filming in their living rooms and things like that. So I think, you know, there was, there was an adoption in a, you know, certain, um, whether it's age groups or demographics or whatever, but now it's just the nature of the beast and how we're having to adjust to things. So people are used to it. So it's something that people shouldn't be worried about of saying, you know, well, this isn't, you know, a, a high quality photography or this isn't a such and such photographer that we've hired before. A lot of these users take exceptional photo- photogra- photographs, excuse me. Um, Not only that, but also you're building a relationship with some of these users as well, um, which in in and of itself is is valuable there because then you're able to create um, a relationship with them. They have a community that you can then partner with, you know, in future campaigns, um, getting them invested and involved in different things that the um, the destination or some of their partners will be um, trying to put together in terms of campaigns and things of that nature. So, um, you know, building those relationships with with the users that are producing some of that really great um, UGC content is also just so valuable. Yeah, and, and to jump in there on on Shanda's point, uh, you know, we come across clients like we've worked in social media with clients that are entire countries, like some of the biggest in the world. Uh, and in smaller communities as well, um, every single one of them has local influencers. Um, and I think what this pandemic has, has also um, done is forced DMOs to look around their own residents, um, not just be dependent on, on images and videos from users, but what are our local photographers posting on Instagram? 
Um, what are local residents doing? And then building those relationships that Shanda talked about um, so that they can continue to secure their content and use it to market towards visitors. A, a great example of that is I actually have searched um, on Facebook and there are groups on Facebook, on Meetup, um, that are a group of photographers, hair and makeup artists, models, and they're looking for places to shoot content. They're looking for people to partner with. And if DMOs look at those um, at those groups, you know, you could say we don't have enough content from these different destinations or historical landmarks or whatever. There's an opportunity there to invite people to come and shoot and have make a day of it. You know, make it an event, make it fun. Obviously, social distance, of course. But um, there's groups out there that are like, hey, we need ideas and suggestions. And there's all these creative people out there looking for a place to go shoot some really, really cool content. And again, if you just look for those opportunities, you can be inviting them into your space and give yourself, you know, a, a, a new dozen or more assets, you know, into your library that costs you nothing. Yeah, really, really good, really good stuff, guys. I think, you know, your, your point of uh, looking at it from even, you know, large to small DMO is really, you know, even having the, those influences even at the local level is important. Um, but, it's, but it brings up the topic of content, right? And um, what type of content we, we should be looking at, right? I, I, certainly things are, are focused now around health and safety. So what content, and maybe Shand, I'll start with you first this time, you know, what content should DMOs be sharing to answer visitors' questions out there that are related to health and safety, because I think that's a very, very important thing. If you're looking at going somewhere, um, you know, you want to know like what's happening, what's out there, what's how are they approaching health and safety. So maybe, maybe share some some thoughts on that. Sure, um, health and safety is is definitely key. I know, you know, for myself when I'm looking at potentially getting out of the house and um, going to a restaurant to get some food. Now that restaurants have opened, I'm concerned about, you know, what does it look like inside? How, you know, how much spaces are in between? So a lot of our, you know, partners have been used to sharing photos of just the food, but maybe now's an opportunity to be able to share photos of how they're socially distancing tables or if they're offering patio dining. You know, for me personally, I'd rather sit outside than inside. Um, so being able to just kind of come up with different different ways of, of sharing that content of what that experience looks like um, at hotels, at um, restaurants or anything like that. Um, another really important thing, and it's not specifically for social media, but social media can amplify this, is the importance of updating Google listings. Um, I have found that so many restaurants or, or stores, retail stores, have forgotten to update their listings if they're now changing their hours of business or they're closed on certain days. Um, I you know, tried to go to a restaurant at eight, at 8 o'clock at night that would normally be closed at 10, but they close at 7.30 now. Um, really kind of finding those opportunities because people want to do business with you, but they need to know when they can. Um, so making sure that your Google listings pages are updated and then sharing that message through social media because when I found that this particular place was closed, I went to their Instagram, I went to their Facebook page, maybe they posted something about new hours of business or was this just a fluke of a one-time event when I showed up when they weren't open? Right, and John, anything to add there on your side? Yeah, it was just something that I've seen uh, with our, our DMOs and ones that I interact with, and even the city that I live in in Nashville. Uh, is that a lot of DMOs are building programs uh, to uh, highlight their businesses that are uh, going above and beyond 
um, to make sure that their destinations uh, are you know, hygienic and clean and their partners uh, are following certain protocols um, that guarantee a standard um, to all the visitors um, who go. So, so like say a hotel, uh, you know, they take a certain pledge, uh, maybe even designed by their destination, um, to go through the certain hoops that would be required to, you know, be deemed uh, as participants in this program. Um, so an example uh, of a client that I'm, I'm quite familiar with um, is Fort Lauderdale. They have a program called Safe and Clean. Uh, and it, it's like a checklist for businesses uh, of protocols they have to go through and promise to continue uh, to get this kind of seal of safe and clean. Uh, that safe and clean uh, image or logo goes on their listing. Um, and then when we look at social media, uh, they have been incentivized uh, to, to be safe and clean because they've been promised, you know, some content and promotion on social media. So when I look at a lot of our clients uh, and DMOs around the world, uh, they are uh, usually one of the you know, premier gatekeepers of the largest, uh, in some cases, the largest social media accounts in their destination. Um, that's some prime real estate. Um, and they can leverage that real estate uh, and that exposure and the audience that they have on their social channels um, to encourage their partners to take safe and clean and hygienic measures um, in exchange for promotion. Yeah, really good stuff there, guys. Um, you know, talking about safe and clean, I think that's really, really important. That's And that's great to share that, John. Uh, Shanda, I love the stuff about the Google listings. I think that's really important, right? It's pretty frustrating when you pull something up on your mobile device and something maybe hasn't been updated. It shows that it's open. You go there, it's not open. That creates a horrible user experience. Um, and, and there's there's many ways to handle that, right? It's, it's getting that, that digital footprint, getting that digital destination management piece kind of connected with you and your partners. Um, DTN does a great job of that with some of the new Yex products that can help do that at scale. But uh, we'll leave that for another episode. But good stuff there. Um, I want to kind of get into now that maybe the community management side of things because, um, you know, that's that's tough even during good times, right? And and this is not the best of times right now, which creates some additional challenges as, as there's been a lot of negativity in the space and things. And I'd imagine some DMOs would love to hear about how to handle that. Uh, so maybe, John, over to you now uh, first on this one. You know, what advice do you have for some of the social media managers that are out there when it comes to handling negative comments on social right now? Um, because it's a tense time. So maybe talk about that a little bit. There's no negativity in social media. Where did where, that come from? <laughs> yeah. Not at all. Uh, None. Look, I mean, I have, a lot of, I have a lot of thoughts about negative comments on social media. Uh, it, it's no, no surprise that negative comments are part of participating in, in the arena. Um, when it comes to social media, uh, and, and Jason, you just said, you know, do you have advice for social media managers? Um, this goes beyond just the social media managers. This goes to the people who manage the social media managers uh, as well. Um, negative comments uh, are to be expected uh, whenever you post on social media, no matter how you know, safe your content is. Uh, when it comes to this pandemic, um, this is the, the largest collective experience uh, we have had as you know human beings across the globe in our entire lifetime. Like never has there been one event that more people are participating in in our lifetime, and that is fighting this pandemic. So this applies everywhere. Like it is not specific to your destination. 
Um, so if you get a negative comment about your destination um, and perhaps some of its attractions that, that you're promoting, um, do know that, you know, this is common across all destinations um, all over the globe. So when it comes to negative comments, um, expect them. Uh, there are, you know, people that will you know, write on anything that you do. Um, but don't let it uh, don't let it scare you out of posting content. Uh, this is not the time to just shrivel up and be quiet uh, in social media. Now, when it comes to negative comments, uh, I typically put them in two different buckets. Uh, so one bucket would be the this person uh, just drops a negative comment in the comment section. Uh, it's very aggressive. It's loud. Uh, it uh, you know tries to catch you off guard. Uh, tries to prove a point that you can't have a retort to. That's okay. Those happen. Uh, they happen on anything and everything. Uh, and it's best to just leave those alone. Uh, because most people uh, who are in the audience, if they see that comment, which is also very rare, seeing comments uh, past, you know, just the general caption, um, if they see that comment, uh, they will understand that perhaps it's coming from, you know, someone who they don't necessarily relate to. Um, and if they do uh, relate to that person, you're probably not going to be able to change their mind anyway. Um, the second kind of bucket is when comments are posted that are factually incorrect. Um, these are comments that I believe you need to deal with um, because we know in today's society, if you, you hang out a falsehood uh, and if you say it enough, at some point, it may be generally accepted as truth. Um, it is your job as a DMO uh, and as the authority of your destination to correct anything that is factually incorrect. Uh, and my recommendation um, when you're presented with a, a comment that's factually incorrect um, is to correct it with facts um, and do it very, very dryly. Um, and it's as simple as that. Don't fear negative comments um, and the correct the ones that to you um, are, are incorrect. Yeah, good, good stuff, John. And that's a great way to approach it. Um, Shannon, any thoughts to, on, on uh, hand, how to handle some of that negativity on your side or anything to add to what, what John mentioned? Sure, absolutely. Um, you know, my background ha is in sports. And so, we lived for negative comments. I mean, it's with a just, lot of yeah, it, it's, it's going to happen and that's life. Right. <laughs> but one of the things that, um, that we looked for was, you know, if a majority of the comments are negative, you got to look at what the content was that was posted, right? Maybe it was the wrong time, the wrong wording, the wrong imagery. I mean, there's a lot of things going on in the world right now that we have to be sensitive to. Um, so you also have to look at what the content itself was and see if maybe there was something that could have been um, corrected prior to that content getting posted, right? Um, and, and when it comes to that, um, I personally experienced this in my past life in sports. Um, social media managers really have the finger on the pulse. They know their audience. They know their audience, and that could vary by platform. Um, where something you know dry might work on one platform, you need to have humor on another platform. Social media managers really usually have their finger on the pulse with that. And occasionally you'll have upper management that's pushing something down to the social media manager saying, hey, we owe this partner this post, or hey, we need to use this phrase in the copy. Social media managers will usually know whether or not that will fly or not and may suggest like, hey, this isn't the right place, this isn't the right time, that isn't the right messaging. 
really listen to those social media managers because they they know they know their audience and and that was a battle that I had to fight quite a bit um so I would definitely say listen to your team there's this is not just a spray and pray outlet right it's living breathing people that often will go to social media first before they go to Google and look for information right um so that would be, you know, my other kind of caveat to that answer as well is that, you know, negative comments, sometimes you just get people who are feeling a little trolly today. Um, and other times it might be something that was pushed down to the social media managers and they felt like they had no option but to publish this regardless of whether they knew it was right or wrong. Um, or just, again, like maybe not the right time. Um, so, you know, definitely listen, put your put your ears on open um, for the social media managers to chime in if they feel like this isn't the right kind of content. Yeah, and the great irony of, of negative comments is uh, all these social media platforms, you know, Facebook, um, Instagram are, are algorithm based. So if you were to post something, I'm not saying, you know, post something that's gonna get 8,000 negative comments, but when there are negative comments, you, you don't want many at all, if, if you wanna avoid them all if you can, but, um, they're, they are contributing to the engagement of the photo or the post that you make. Uh, and that is yeah, good or probably, bad. Yeah. probably putting it in front of, of more people. Um, so have that in the back of your head. I'm not saying you, you at all stoke negative comments for the, uh, for the sole purpose of engagement, uh, but it, it is an all negative. Yeah. Um, guys, really good advice on that there. I, I like those perspectives of, of how to handle that. And it's, it's really good information. Again, getting your, both of your guys are strong backgrounds in social media. It's nice to hear that. So got time for one more and I want to, you know, focus this a little bit more around, um, over to you, Shanda really is, you know, um, because it's a lot, right? Managing socials a lot. Uh, there's a lot to it. It takes a lot of work, a lot of digging around, a lot of research. It's time consuming. So how can DMOs get you know their partners more involved, right? So get them more invested and more engaged um, in their social media initiatives. Like, what do you recommend there? Because I know that's for DMOs out there. It's a it, it's, it can be a daunting task, especially if they've had furloughs or layoffs. It can be tough. So so how do you get those those partners more involved? Yeah, that's I mean that's that's a thing we're dealing with right now. You know, a lot of social media managers mm -hmm. that I work with, you know, have been furloughed, and so those responsibilities have fallen onto somebody else's plate. And that's a lot of responsibility for somebody at the destination level to kind of know what the restaurants are doing, what the hotels are doing, and how many restaurants are there in their DMO? How many hotels are there? You know, there's a lot going on. Um, something that I found really interesting was um, uh, Go Louisville, for, for example. They had a campaign where they reached out to all of their restaurants and anybody who was offering to-go orders. This was right when the restaurants closed down and it was like, where do we get food if we're not going to the grocery store, if everything's sold out, right? Um, Louisville had a public uploader um, on a website where all of their different restaurant partners were able to upload, whether it be their standard menu that if everything was offered to go or specific to go menus, if it was limited. Um, and this was a fantastic way for them to be able to get their partners involved versus the DMO having to basically, you know, knock on doors everywhere to figure out what was going on and who's doing what. So you could definitely get your partners involved and invested in this, um, letting them know any kind of campaign themes or anything that you're working on, include it in your email blast that's going out to your partners to say, hey, we're working on 
a feature of everybody who has patio dining. If you have imagery, if you have patio dining available, you know, upload to this particular website. We make it so simple for them, right? Um, when they upload those photos, then the DMO is able to do whatever they want with those, right? They are able to include it in their social media strategy. They're able to use mm -hmm. it on a blog post. They're able to use it in an email blast campaign or anything like that. So that would be something that I would definitely recommend is letting your partners know what you're working on and how they could be a part of that campaign. They could be featured because um, there's there's a there's a lot going on at the DMO level and to be able to have a, a communication channel with every single partner in that destination is is pretty daunting. And so if there's a way to make that communication process simple and the transfer of assets simple, um, this was just a, a really cool way that, like I said, Louisville uh, did this for the, the to-go menus, but yeah. you know, you could apply this to really anything. Yeah, really good, really good advice there. And, and I think, um, you know, I'll kick it over to you, John. Do you have anything else to add on your side as it relates to, you know, um, you know, getting that community involved and your partners involved, uh, invested and engaged? Absolutely. I'll make a brief point. I mean, I think so many DMOs are usually, you know, some of the more savvy internet operators in the destination. Um, so I go back to, to my time working for a, a historic destination in Virginia. Um, and we had great partners, um, but we, we took a, a leadership role in teaching them how to do really simple um, online tasks that, you know, would be kind of daunting to them based on all the other tasks that they have around managing their restaurant or their historic site. Um, so something Shanna brought up earlier is uh, Google listings. Like, hey, partners, you need to update your Google listings. Um, we now live in a world where everyone knows how to do video calls and video conferences. Um, host one um, that shows your partners exactly how they can upload their Google listings. Um, host one where you can show them a social media uh, scheduling tool like TweetDeck or Hootsuite. Um, you can use this opportunity um, to provide education for your partners so that they can complete some of the tasks that we've discussed you know, in this call. Uh, and do it quite easily and get themselves up to date and, uh, you know, engaging with, with their audiences and taking a lot of the recommendations that we've set here. Yeah. Great, great stuff from the, from the both of you. I think, uh, again, I, I love that John about getting the, you know, uh, because we have been, um, you know, so consumed as of late with zoom and, uh, go to and Google meet and everything else under the sun. Um, it does provide though an opportunity because people are used to it now to provide education for DMOs to provide more value. So I love that advice. So, so thank you both and really appreciate both of you coming on and sharing these insights. Social media is such an important thing right now. UGC plays, um, a big part in that, um, you know, as it's authentic, um, and it's, and it's a way for people to really see what's happening in the space. So, so thank you both again for coming on. Really appreciate it. Absolutely. Anytime. Thank you. You bet. And thanks for tuning in each and every week. If you're not subscribed, please do so now. We're also available on Spotify and iTunes if you want to consume us through audio podcasts. So thanks for tuning in, everyone. We'll see you next time and have a great day. <laughs>